All right, we are back. Welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bounds, along with Angela, and we are here for a brand new pursuit. Uh, Angela, you want to share with our listeners our brand new pursuit and what we got going on? Definitely. It's, a, of course, a heartbreaking story. Um, it's a story about Lindsay Busaic of Victoria, B.C., Canada. Lindsay Busaic was a beautiful, hardworking 24-year-old woman who was viciously murdered in the Victoria suburbs of Saanich at 1702 de Sousa Place on February 2, 2008. She was stabbed to death between 5.38 and 5.41 p.m. while performing her duty as a Remax realtor, showing a vacant home for sale to a couple. Her killers and planners are still free. Her murder remains unsolved by Saanich Police, led by Constable Chris Horsley. If you have any information which could lead to the arrest of the people involved in Lindsay's murder, please, we ask you, contact Crime Stoppers or Lindsay's father, Jeff Busaic, at jeffbusaic at hotmail.com. That is J-E-F-F-B-U-Z-I-A-K at hotmail.com. There is a reward being offered. All right. Yes, there is. And tonight, our special guest is the father, uh, Jeff Buziak. I, I hope I said that right, Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, you did. Okay, thank you. Yes. So let's first start out. Um, let's talk about your daughter, you know, when she was growing up. What was she like as a little kid and, and in her adult age as well? All right, sure. Um, Lindsay was a very bright young woman, um, very aware, very, um, you know, in tune, really sharp and quick and uh, very observant. Uh, She was a lot of fun, very quick-witted. She was very loving and kind and just enjoyed engaging with people. So, yeah, she was a wonderful kid. She was just fun all the time. Um, So, you know, I have nothing bad to say with her about uh, anything that happened during childhood or anything. Uh, Wonderful childhood, loving parents, great mom. Um, You know, just a great time, uh, obviously, in her teens. She got a bit challenging, but uh, I think we've all been there. Or have kids that have been there. So, yeah, otherwise, you know, turned out a good kid and uh, decided she wanted to be a realtor. So away she went. So in her time as a realtor, have she ever complained or had any problems with anybody uh, harassing her or, you know, or being belligerent with her? You know, there was never any belligerence that I remember. And I stayed quite close with her. We talked lots. Um, You know, she was very attractive physically so that uh at times she would talk to me about um you know men coming on to her so to speak or men you know just being too friendly with her and you know she was okay with that but i know for a while she's wrestled with that about how does that work with real estate you know she was trying to make sense of that kind of uh, in a sense that um you know, I'm in business here and why are these guys coming on to me in business? I mean, she was used to having uh, the attention of men, but at first she had to sort that out in her head, which she did. She did. And she was okay with that. She was just a firecracker, wanted to do really well in real estate. 
Um, of course, she had seen the results of of success in that business, and uh, so I think um, that's where she was headed. And uh, she really didn't have any problems in real estate. The big thing I think to understand with her was she had an extremely vivacious personality. She was very loving. She loved people. She loved interacting with people, and uh, she was really good at it. I, I used to just sit there in admiration and watch her. And, and uh, you know, I'm not bad with people at times. I can be okay. Um, okay. And, you know, her mom can be good with people. But Lindsay had the combination from both of us that was just so good with people. I would just sit there in awe and watch her interact with people. It was natural for her. So real estate was really conducive to that type of personality. Yeah. Okay, so let's move forward to February 2nd, 2008. What happened? Well, yeah, what happened was uh, something that's turned all our worlds upside down. You know, Lindsay was, uh, she was uh, going to uh, show a home that, uh, to a couple that had called her and made arrangements. Uh, they were moving to Victoria. Uh, the husband was being transferred. And, of course, uh, Lindsay showed up to meet the people. And, um, you know, next thing we know, she's dead. She's dead. The, she suffered um, a horrific horrific death by stabbing mm. and uh, bleeding to death um, in the master bedroom on the second floor of this home she was showing. It was just devastating. It was savage. Um, just horror. For Lindsay, it would have been horror. So take us back when you first was contacted by the police that your daughter had been murdered. Well, sadly, Ed, uh, the police didn't contact me. They uh, fumbled that. Oh. Um, and uh, I was contacted by uh, Lindsay's mom, my ex-wife. Okay. About uh, 12 hours after the murder, because I live a 1,000 kilometers or 600, let's say 600 miles away from where Lindsay was murdered. Uh, police couldn't get it together to contact me. Uh, for whatever reason, but I think it was it's a real good indication of that's how we started with bumbling police, and that's all we are now. Um, Ed, you know, I'm not uh, going to shed any tears for everybody tonight because I keep that private now. I understand. And when I, when I deal with uh, murder nowadays, for me it's business, and I'm very, very serious about it. Uh, and I keep my tears for private, even though right now I'm saying these words, trying to prepare myself to go through the scenario so I don't break down. But I'll tell you what happened. I was notified uh, in the wee hours of the morning by um, Lindsay's mom. It was horrific. I collapsed. I broke down. And uh, it was just a very ugly scene. So um, it uh, hurt me more than anyone could ever understand unless they have lost a child to murder. And so it took me a few number of hours to uh, get my composure. I had uh, a couple of very dear friends come over and um, more or less deal with me because I was a mess. I believe I was still on the floor hours later. And um, they arranged to uh, 
get me out to Victoria by airline and got some food into me and uh, that's kind of what happened. I jumped on a jet and I was sobbing all the way for the hour and 15 minutes. And, uh, I arrived there. I had, uh, had another friend contacted to pick me up at the airport, which they did. And, uh, then the minute I got off the plane, my phone started working and I got into uh, serious mode. So I can I can just imagine that hour and 15 minutes was probably the longest hour and 15 minutes of your life, right? Well, yeah, of course it was. It was, uh, you know, it was interesting because I, I consider myself, I, I don't say I'm a tough guy because I'm not, but I consider myself, um, you know, pretty hard guy. I can deal with things. I grew up on a farm, so I kind of know how it all works with death and things with animals. And, you know, I've had to do things with animals that most people don't experience when you live on a farm. Right. And, um, so, but yeah, it was just, it was horrific right from the time I was notified, not only the hour and 15 minutes to Victoria, but um, I, I just couldn't get it together to go to the plane. So what happened was, luckily, through friend connections, they had booked me on every flight that day. So I could have grabbed a flight every, each hour of the day to get out there. But it took me a few hours to get to the airport and to get on a plane. So I did, and I got to Victoria. And uh, thankfully, uh, you know, people really rallied around me. And, uh, so I had friends pick me up. I had, uh, somebody who I had counseled with for a number of years, um, show up immediately and, uh, basically told me I was staying with them and, uh, which I did. And that was a great thing for me because I had somebody I trust a hundred percent and that knows me better than anybody probably in the world. Uh, to be by my side the whole time I was in Victoria. So I just immediately kind of went to work to try and make sense of everything. Uh, my first huge concern was um, Lindsay's sister, my other daughter, um, was living in the Cayman Islands. And so <clears throat> we had to arrange to have her flown back up, which was really tough. And uh, so then I met her at the airport um, with police, actually. And, uh, yeah, so that was my first concern was uh, my other daughter. And so luckily we knew somebody uh, in the Cayman Islands that was prepared to um, go over to uh, where my daughter lived and be with her when she was informed and then make sure she got on a plane and and came with her back to Victoria. Um, so that's what initially went on. Okay. Now, you you guys are there, and, you know, it's time for things to move forward. You you have a, a, a funeral service. You know, it's, uh, people, you're grieving. People tell you to you know, hang in there, move on, and, you know, have you in their prayers. But there is still something left, and that's called the police investigation to your daughter's murder. Let's talk about that. Well, first, before we get to that, you said some key words that I need to address. Okay. And that was, 
you know, people are there to console you and people are there to uh, um, try and be there for you. And the words you used, move on, um, are poison words to people who have lost somebody to homicide. And I had to come to grips with that because every time somebody voiced those words to me, I wanted to fucking attack them. I wanted to strangle them. I wanted to get vicious with them. And of course I didn't, I'd hold myself back. But those, for those of you people out there listening, do not say those words to somebody who's just lost. And and we hear it all the time. People say it all the time. Move on, move on. Exactly. You know? And so what I had to rationalize was I had to first rationalize they mean well. These people aren't people who want to harm you. But they don't know what they're talking about. And what they really need to do with somebody devastated by homicide is they need to say to you, I'm sorry, I love you, right? or just hug you. We don't need any stupid phrases, any glib cliches, and, you know, God has a purpose, and all those words that I classify as poison words. Please, people, do not say those words. They are harmful words. They are not helpful words. Helpful words are, I'm sorry, I love you. Is there anything I can do for you? That's all we want to hear. Yeah. 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 I agree. So, um, sorry, I have to stop on that because it's very, very, very important. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Go ahead. All right. So, you want to deal with investigation now so how it began was of course one of my first calls were to the police station and they wanted to talk to me well of course you want to do that you want to know what the hell's going on and uh so you know we made arrangements i went in and uh they video recorded an interview with me and uh, you know at the time you're you're extremely upset you're bouncing in and out of tears and sobbing and answering questions and anger and swearing oh yeah it's not it's not a pretty sight um but you know i'm quite aware of what's going on around me and it's in a way they're they're kind of treating you like a criminal right from the get-go and i mean that's fine they have to cover all their bases but uh you know, they're pretty obvious about it. They're like, oh, would you like a glass of water? And Yeah, I would love one. So you drink it and they're like, oh, well, let us take that glass and we'll get you another one. And so, you know, they're off doing yeah. their DNA or whatever oh. the hell they're doing. Yeah, um, you know, I guess that's just part of the deal that we go through. I'm certainly not here. I'm not here to complain about that. But if there are police listening to me, don't be so damn obvious. It's not pleasant to go through that. That's right. Um, you know, do what you have to do, but at least try to be a little bit um, less obvious about it. But it, it was just the start of who we were dealing with, uh, you know, the bumbling police department, and it never ended, and it hasn't 
for 13 years. And here we are today with an unsolved murder, with a bumbling police department that uh, don't know which end is up on a package uh, when they're looking at the arrow that points up. You know, it's it's crazy that you say that because, you know, Jeff, we struggle with this with different families here in the U.S. And, you know, I think, man, you know, where did they do this at? But then now we're here with you in Canada and you're having the same problem. Right. Well, I can address that, Ed, from my perspective, um, is that I believe police, uh, not all of them, certainly the ones I've experienced, and I've heard from others because through this process, of course, I've talked to other people who are in the same situation. They have not kept up with the times, uh, for one thing. They seem to be following a police manual that probably dated 1949 and has had a couple updates since. I agree. Um, they realize that social media has changed things and there's other things going on, but they haven't changed. They're still following their 1949 police manual. And the world has changed. People are way more aware. Social media puts everything out there. People are more interested now. They're more engaged now. I, I keep wanting to say they're more intelligent now, but that's not the right word because I don't want to offend people. But they're more engaged. They're more aware. They're more in tune to what's going on generally. They want to know answers. They're not interested anymore in being BSed by somebody or misled or misdirected. They want somebody to tell them the facts. They want the truth. They want the truth, Ed, the truth. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeking. Yeah. What's the truth? And we have a police force out there. They still function with, oh, if he won't go along with what we do, just ignore him. You know, like, Ed, that's 1949. Right. That's not today. We know today, I have a degree in psychology from the university. We know today that ignoring is the worst form of abuse. So why would a police force do that to you? They've done yeah. it to me. They've done everything you can imagine. They're gaslighting, they're ghosting, they're ignoring. It's just sickening. It's sickening how they operate. But yet they sit back, arrogant, arrogant to the extreme, proud, arrogant, and they look down at you. They treat you like you're a, maybe a grade five or something. And they think they're some kind of superior beings. And, okay, they're the police. They're the authority. They're not demigods. Yeah. They're not special. Ed, they pee in the same toilet I do. Yeah, yeah, preach. Yeah, absolutely. Right? They're the same as me. Like, treat me as an individual, as a person, not as some thing. I'm yeah. not a thing. I'm not a kid. Don't talk down to me. I'm probably better educated than most of them are. Yeah. Yes, treat treat you like the father that lost his daughter, that is furious, that is hurt, that is determined. Exactly. Be a team right. with that father, with that family. Don't right. don't act superior, especially when they can't solve the crime. You know, right. it's if anyone should be looking down, it should be you at them, and and you're not. You're just, you know. What happens? What happens with people that treat you? inferior 
and that look down on you. It's because they're insecure and they're hiding something. Exactly. You want to know something? Let so, me let, let me jump in here and say something. And and Angela, you need to hear this too. You know, Jeff, I don't know if you know this, and Angela, I don't know if you know, but these police departments uh, that have homicide detectives, they have the audacity to get mad at YouTubers that have true crime shows, podcasts. They have the audacity to get mad. And let me tell you, that is pathetic, and let me tell you why. In the Alyssa Turney case out of Arizona, we covered it. We covered it in the early stages. Her stepdad, we always, we the information we found out, he was a suspect and everything else. But because of all the YouTube and the podcast coverage, it 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 put pressure on the detectives out there in Arizona. They came into some new developments. They arrested him last year. Wonderful. For right. years. that She's been dead. He killed her years ago. And because right. of the pressure from the podcast, the YouTube channels, that's why they have him in custody now. And he told them, man, I'm just was so sick of hearing my name all over the podcast and stuff like that. So are we really the problem or are we pushing them to do the fucking job that they're supposed to be doing? I feel that we're, we're exactly. a tool. Yeah, we're a tool. We're part of the team. They, that's how we should be treated right. as well. That's right. Because God knows so if we my, we find something out, we're gonna we're gonna take it to the police. Because ultimately, we want that crime solved. We care for these families. So why not treat us as such? Why not exactly. have the parents, the loved ones, as involved as as you know, have someone that's appointed just to do that. Not per se even a detective, but a liaison between the two that keeps everyone informed and involved as a team. Well, you know what, Angela? They do appoint a liaison to you. But for a guy like me, mm-hmm. it better be somebody sharp who's paying attention and who yeah. knows something about the murder. If it's somebody else, I will chew them up and spit them out and <laughs> will knock them aside. And I tell them that. Like, if you don't cooperate with me, if you don't tell me what's going on, if you try and block me, con me, try and push me away, I am going to go around you, underneath you, over you, or right fucking through you to get the truth. So do not stand in my way and try and con me. That will not work. And if you don't know how to communicate in a proper business manner, meaning return my calls within 24 hours, answer my emails within two business days, you are going to face my wrath. Amen. Amen. And, you know, I... I am here to shine the light on my daughter's murder. I will shake every bush. I will rattle every cage. I will poke every being out there till the truth is revealed. And if somebody tries to stop me, they need to kill me because I will not stop. I love that. I love that. And, And you have every right. You know, Angela, all the time when we do these podcasts so many families i hear time and time where the police are rude to them where the police um they treat them like shit and i get it they feel like okay you're you're bugging me you're bothering me whatever well you would do the same thing if your daughter was brutally murdered and you wanted answers hell yeah but they don't nobody 
in and obviously it's like this in Canada as well, but in the U.S., no one wants to put the shoes on the other foot. You know, they just no. want to make judgment. Well, it's you. It is what it is, and blah blah blah. Whatever, whatever. It's disgusting because the trouble the trouble we've run into nowadays that is we've allowed the police to get away with what they do and to develop their culture, which is not inclusive. They have their deal now in a lot of areas, and it shouldn't blank at all police, but certainly in Saanich. They have developed their own little empire there that's almost impenetrable, and no one will touch it. And they are arrogant about it. They're defensive about it. And woe is the person who tries to poke into there, which is me. They will threaten you. They will bully you. They will do whatever they have to do to protect their little empire. And that's because we've allowed them to develop that. And how that's come about is we are taught from very young kids, in most cases, that police are supposed to be our friends. They're supposed to be our protectors. Yep. They're supposed to uphold the law. Yep. They're supposed to keep peace. But what's happened is we haven't kept them accountable to do that. So they've got to run off and do their own little thing. And now it's got out of control. And when we question them, they fight back. And so yeah. instead of now being our friends and our protectors, they are what I call our frenemies. Oh, I like and that. We we are confused psychologically now because they've got it to the point where people fear or hate police. And that's totally not what it's supposed to be. I agree. They're supposed to be our friends, our protectors, because but because of their own doing, they've turned into our frenemies. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Never heard that before, but that's awesome. Okay, so where are we at after all these years? Have anybody said, Jeff, we have a suspect. Let's talk about a suspect. No, what's happened all these years, Ed, is because I've been misled by this police department so much, so much over the years, I've just had to stand alone with a fabulous group of volunteers, some that have come and gone, um, some that love me dearly, some that don't like me so much anymore <laughs> because uh, I'm just a demanding colonel, if you want to call or whatever I am. Right. Um, just relentless, and I don't take no for an answer, and I want things done. Um, what we've come to is we've pretty much poked everybody we possibly can, in the greater Victoria area, we pretty much accused everybody, including, you know, the guy who cleans the streets and takes out the garbage. Everybody's been a suspect that we can possibly think of. And people have got focused on certain ones that uh, are, you know, we feel or they feel that uh, are prime suspects and maybe they are. But uh, ultimately, we don't have enough information to prove that. We've got a whole bunch of circumstantial evidence that we've made fit into the box. And uh, so it's got to a point now where I'm really not interested anymore in who done it. Mm -hmm. We're 13 years 
we've poured our hearts out. We've looked under every rock, every stone. Everybody has said, I didn't do it. I don't know anything about it. I have no involvement. So the police have all the information. They won't give it to us. They won't share any of it. We got somebody going to court trying to get some. And so what we've got is we've got sides, we've got enemies, and we got a police that do nothing about it but give us explanations, excuses, and more bullshit about what they're doing, which is bullshit. And so we got a lot of people upset about each other. We got threats going on. We got, you know, people threatening lawsuits, people threatening physical harm. Uh, we got enemies, which is a great distraction for the police. But one thing that has never left me is the police are not doing their job. The police need to be replaced. And that's where I'm at today. I am done with who done it because I can't arrest anybody. What I'm at is you've had 13 years, you failed. Get the hell out of here. We need somebody else in here that's going to do the job. So I'm giving you like six months. Get off your asses and arrest somebody and charge them, or I'm going through you, around you, underneath you, over top you, whatever it takes, you're out of here. That's my focus today. Give you the information that they have so you can hire a PI or you can look at the evidence. I mean, apparently it's not working for them or they're not even attempting whatever. Whatever they're doing is not working. You know what it is, Angela? They're not capable. It's just a plain fact. You know, I don't... I even feel bad saying it because it's so damn obvious. Yeah. It's so obvious. Like if you have a NFL team or a basketball mm-hmm. team, do you think you, the owners, the fans, would allow them to go 13 years with losing every year, never getting any place, a coach right. isn't replaced, players Absolutely aren't not. replaced, you know, nothing goes on. It's like... Oh, okay. Thanks for letting us know. Yeah. You know, and just leave it not. alone. No. People are fired, replaced, get out of here, you're useless, whatever. We need a new coach. Do you know how bad it is in Saanich? We've had four police chiefs since Lindsay was murdered. Five heads of her file since she was murdered. Three mayors of Saanich since she was murdered. Wow. Do you know that the last two police chiefs and the first one, they have never spoken publicly about Lindsay's murder. Can you imagine that? The head of the police force ignores me, ignores the media, and will not speak about Lindsay's murder. And do you know how a Saanich police chief, they have never hired outside of their police department for the chief's job. It's an old boys club. The police board are informed by the police who the next chief is going to be. It's a pat on the back, kiss my butt, massage my feet, and you too can be chief. Mm. And so when you get there, pay attention for five or six years because you will be making $250,000 a year and you will get a huge retirement pension because of that. That's how it works in Saanich. 
It is the most disgusting run organization I have seen in my 66 years of life and in my 41 years of business. I have never seen any organization, whether it's public, private, nonprofit run like Saanich Police runs. It is the most despicable run organization I have ever read, seen, heard, or could imagine be run like it is. It's horrible. So, so you're not optimistic that this case will get solved? I am determined it's going to be solved. I, that ne- there is never a doubt in my mind. I just believe that along this path, there's a few obstacles that we have to go through. And right now, we got to go right through Saanich Police. They are hopeless. Done. I am done with them. It's no more who done it. Because these people, Ed, they couldn't score a goal if they were one inch off the goal line. And there's nobody there to stop the ball or the puck or whatever it is. They couldn't score a goal if they had the basketball in their hand right over the basket. They would probably stumble or they'd have to take a union break and go have a pee or they get off on sick leave or something. They're not capable, period. Just personal curiosity here. Yes. Do you, from what you have learned, from what you have investigated yourself, from the things that you've heard, been told, you know, different hearsay, do you have an idea of who you think or a direction that you think they should be following, like they should be going towards? Do you have an idea who you think did it? Yes, absolutely. You know, I have um, many thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, let me say it more in general terms. Mm -hmm. Um, It was personal. Lindsay's murder was personal. Yes. It was vicious. It was just unbelievable Mm -hmm. how they executed that wonderful young woman, five foot two, 99 pounds. They slaughtered her. Just absolutely slaughtered her. That was personal. It was personal. It was somebody very close to her. And I said from day one, and I say to this day, it was either involving her current boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, people associated to one or the other or a combination of those two take your pick and i stand by that today so have do you know if the police have interviewed them thoroughly they have interviewed everybody and now they're calling people back in and asking us questions like who do you think killed Lindsay? Why do you think she was killed? Tell us everything you know about Lindsay. Mm. I'd be better Ed, off you want to reach across the table and slap them. Yeah. Number one, I'm not in grade four. Number two, I've spent 13 years of my life doing everything I possibly can to find out who killed my daughter and passing every bit of information to those incompetent nincompoops Mm -hmm. 
And if they have to ask me now, I can't believe it. it it's just like, am wow. I living in a bizarre dream here or what's going on? Like, wow. what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Unbelievable. They've got some rookies on the case right now who have zero murder investigation experience. None. The lead investigator is a city councilor in a different town who heads up different committees. He's a hockey coach. He's a school liaison. And he's supposed to be the lead cop. I mean, he doesn't have enough time to do what he's got on his plate, not alone focus on a murder. It is just disgusting how they operate there. It is totally inept, corrupted, just bad, bad, bad. And we're reaching a point where that's going to come to a head. Yeah. I'm not stopping. Good. I just want to say that I think it's absolutely, I'm in awe at your passion, your love, your determination for your daughter. And I, I did have to Google a photo of her, and she is so beautiful. And she's blessed to have had have you as a father. And I mean, she's she's got you. Um, it's I I have no doubt that you will figure this out. Well, thank you, Angela. And you know, I always refer to Lindsay as being beautiful. And mm -hmm. you know, some people have, of course, want want to misinterpret that that I'm talking about her physical appearance. Look, she's my daughter. Yeah. I say she's beautiful because she was a beautiful spirit. Yeah. And she, you know, yes, she was extremely attractive. But when I say that, she was just a beautiful person. She was not involved in the drug trade. She wasn't, you know, strung out on crack and cocaine, you know, like none of that stuff. She right. was far away from that kind of crap. She disliked it a yeah. lot. She broke up with the love of her life because of those reasons. Too much partying. Yeah, I sit and doodle. That's not I... Lindsay. People keep trying to attach it to, oh, drugs or this. And that's oh, how people, people just reach it. Yeah. You know, they justify yeah. murder by trying to hang a little bit of negativity on the victim. I hear and that. that really pisses me off. Yeah, Jeff, I hear that all the time. I go in the groups and... You know, they like, well, if she wouldn't have been an exotic dancer, that would have never happened. If she wouldn't have been hanging around with the wrong crowd, that would have never happened. So why should we care? Well, you know, this that woman is a human being. She was murdered. Exactly. She was somebody's right. daughter. She yes. was somebody's mother. She was somebody's sister. And so I, I exactly. Jeff, I go through this all the time, these heartless-ass people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know... Murder is the most heinous act known to humanity. It's the most heinous act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I went out tomorrow and tried to rob a bank, I would be in jail so fast, done, sentenced, all that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. You'd be mm -hmm. done. If I went and shoplifted, I'd be charged. If I go speeding, I get a ticket. Yes. If I go through a yellow light, I get a ticket in the mail because there's a camera. Yeah. You're right. Somebody goes and murders a young woman while she's at work. And here, 13 years later, the police don't even name suspects. 
Like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. I agree. And another thing is, you know, this hasn't happened again. This actual type of crime, this scenario, you know, it's so we know it's not a serial killer or anything. And like you said, everything no. leads back to an to a angry. They were hurting her personally. It was a very personal crime. So that also tells me it shouldn't be that difficult for police with all the tools they have and the access to everything and the information they have. And how can they not figure this out? It's close to home, like close to home. How can they not find this out? Right. I say that all the time. Just like I said, they couldn't score a basket if they had the ball right over top of the basket. Yeah. They can, they're just not capable. This group is not capable. And when you think about it, any murder out there besides Lindsay, the most heinous act against humanity, most heinous act, it should be the quickest one that they solve and they wrap up and to show people, to show them, you cannot murder. We're going to punish you, catch you immediately. You're done. Yep. That's the message we need out there. Oh, to definitely. Psychologically, yep. I have a degree in psychology. That's what you need. Not 13 years later, oh, we don't know and we're not going to name any suspects. That is telling every young guy out there, like the ones who murdered my daughter, hey, man, you can get away with this. 13 years, nothing's done. Yeah. Hey, you know, I always say these words, which are not nice. You know, the bitch pisses you off, kill her. Exactly. Yeah, that's mm. right. That's what they're saying, the message that's, they're sending. And, and to the community, you're not safe, community. This person's still out there. And quite frankly, we don't give a shit. That's what the community right. should be hearing. And they should be rallying with you. Yep. Saying, hey, you guys, exactly. you we pay you. You yep. work for us. Protect yep. us. Right. Do your fucking they job. They are public servants. They forgot. They are public servants. They serve us. Yep. We don't serve them. We don't serve them. They serve us. They're we there pay to for protect them. us. They're yep. there to be our safety net. They're the ones we're supposed to go to when we feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. What do they do? Oh, you know. Oh, 37 years later, new evidence has come in. We solved it. See, we're heroes. Pin that badge on me. I'm a hero. No, you're yeah. not heroes. You're fucking lazy. Yeah. yeah. It took you 37 years to do the job. I need people to think about this. In 1939, the, a war was started that encompassed the whole world. By the time it was over, the whole world was involved. Millions of young men and women died. Millions. They sacrificed themselves. They walked up beaches where they were being mowed down and just keep going, keep going. They were, it was a mess. They solved that in six years. Six years. The whole world got to peace. Six years. The whole world, different nationalities, different countries, different ways of thinking. Six years. They sorted that out. Yeah. In 1961, President Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon. Okay. I think eight years later, three guys took off from Cape Canaveral. They shot up in a rocket into outer space. They traveled for three days at 25,000 
thousand miles an hour in outer space in that rocket ship. Two of them got into a capsule detached from that. The, th- the third guy stayed. They traveled for, I think it was another two days at 25,000 miles an hour. They landed on the moon, the moon, yeah. which is kind of unbelievable for us. Mm-hmm. They walked around, kicked their heels, put up a flag, grabbed some dirt, hopped back into the capsule that landed safely, took off from there, traveled three days, 25,000 miles an hour in outer space, outer space, to go back to that rocket ship that they detached from. They hooked back up again, traveling 25,000 miles an hour around the Earth. Then they took off again for another couple days at 25,000 miles an hour, landed in a specific spot in the Pacific Ocean by a boat that picked them up. Eight years, eight years. I got a little girl that was my beautiful child who was working, working. She got slaughtered in a community that's very small, very tight. Everybody knows everybody. We're 13 years and they know nothing. 13 years. A world war can be solved in six. Men can go to the moon in 1960 when we didn't even have air conditioning in cars. They land on the moon eight years later at 25,000 miles an hour. We didn't, there weren't even cell phones then. There was nothing. There weren't computers that we knew of. Yeah. Nowadays, these police forces, they have everything. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And can't even, they got little, they got little, remote control bumblebees that can fly up to your window and look in your house. Like they have everything. Yeah. In 13 years, they can't solve a murder. Get the hell out of here. Right. You know, um, Jeff, I, I, I understand your frustration. I really do. And, you know, I, I, I just really love the way, you know, your drive, your fight, you know, you're trying to get to the bottom of what happened, who did this to your baby. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're not getting the cooperation that you deserve, not only as a taxpayer, but as the father. Um, right. So we have run out of time, Jeff. Um, what I need you to do, I need you to tell our listeners how they can contact you, how they can, if anybody in Canada that knows something, because somebody knows something. And if you are listening, whether you at work, whether you're at wherever you are, whether you're at home, if you know something, please come forward. Jeff, can you offer that information before we go? Absolutely. They need to contact me, Jeff Buziak, at hotmail.com, and it's spelled J-E-F-F-B-U-Z, we say in Canada, I-A-K, at hotmail.com, J-E-F-F, B-U-Z-I-A-K at hotmail.com. Tell me if you know anything, please, please tell me. I'll make sure it gets to the right place. And now I will qualify that. Please don't contact me and tell me what I should be doing. I get that every day of every week. I don't need that advice. Right. And please don't tell me 
to contact this psychic because she's really good. Oh yeah, I get that I every that. day yeah. of my life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, no psychic, please. No, no, no mediums. None of that. All right. Well, we have run out of time. Jeff, thank you for taking out the time. I know you work. You're, you know, running the website. Um, you know, make sure that you go to the website. Make sure you, you know, get familiar with this case. Now, Jeff, you stay on the line. Now, I want to say to the listeners, if you're first timers, go to our Facebook page, Crime Pursuit. We also have an Instagram. We also have a Twitter. Come there. We will interact with you. If you have a case and you're not getting a lot of media attention, the police is being what we would call dickheads, reach out to us. We're not afraid of them. We will We will go against them. We will work with them. But most importantly, we're here for you. If you have a case, come to us and we will help you out. We don't turn nobody down. All right, we have to go. Thanks for listening.